Good evening, everybody. We are here with the first Q&A, or second Q&A of uh, July. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you for all the questions. And this evening, as we, before we begin, once again, we look to the Lord, Pastor Vijay, and lead us in prayer. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for this time that you have blessed us with. Thank you, Lord, for every opportunity that you give to us to come together, Lord, and uh, this medium of Q&A, Lord, that you've given to us. I pray, Father, that, Lord, even as your servant, uh, Lord, tackles these questions, that you will grant us all the wisdom, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we will understand the spirit behind every word that you speak to us, your intentions, O oh Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for all the questions. Bless this time, O oh Lord. Edify us, strengthen us, exhort us, and equip us, even through this medium, O oh Lord. Instruct us and prepare us for the days ahead. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Pastor, first question uh, is question number five. Uh, we'll start with five. <clears throat> it says, um, brokenness causes us to hear clearly from God. But usually brokenness is because of some unpleasant situations in our lives. But when, it's, when everything in our life is okay, how do we still stay in the state of being broken in order to hear clearly from God? First, let me uh, explain there are two kinds of brokenness the Bible tackles. First, go to Proverbs 17 and verse 22, right? 17:22. Proverbs 17:22. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Okay, this is one brokenness. This is a brokenness where the question is, uh, second part of the question is addressing that brokenness comes because of unpleasant situations, experiences in life. That's a natural phenomena in the world. Okay, broken. They are broken because of calamities, trauma, all that. But a broken spirit dries up the bones. Okay. And uh, you basically, that's why God was so patient and gentle with the first generation of Israelites for so long because they had come out of slavery mm. and they had no heart to fight. They didn't know. So God was very patient, like we saw in the morning, brought them through a long route. And whenever they complained, he gave them what they asked. The rebels, he dealt with them. Then 40 years, he took care of them because they were basically people who had come out of slavery, so many traumatic experiences. But a broken spirit, that's a, that's a spirit that is broken. This term is used in English with horses. When you catch the wild horses, they have incredible spirit. So the term that is used is, uh, it has to be broken mm. so that a person can ride it. Mm. But you have to Break it in such a way, its spirit is not broken. Mm. You will see lots of horses, and you, know, you will see them sitting with their heads down like that. You know, it's you, you can use it for weddings and all, but it's good for nothing because <laughs> spirit has been broken. Okay, but the other ones which have been broken in such a way where the spirit has been broken, but the master can control it are excellent stallions. Mm. They're used for racing and the cowboys use them and also that's, that's a different kind of usage. But let's go to the question. Let's go to, uh, two verses. One is 34, Psalm 34, 18, and the other is Psalm 51, 17. Okay. And again, you will see the term. 
The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. Mm. Now we go to Psalm 51. We know Psalm 51 is David's famous psalm after all the mess. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, mm. a broken and a contrite heart. These God will not despise. Now this is a different. Here when you see the word broken, Contriteness is added to it always. It's not the same. This brokenness is not because of situations. It's not because of situations that happen. That is general, common with mankind. This is what happens to a child of God when he realizes what his sin has cost God. It's a different thing altogether. Mm. That is the brokenness that hears clearly. Not the other broken. Then every person, 90% of the world is broken. They are not hearing anything. Because what happened, that brokenness makes you, actually it's bad because it makes you focused on self. Mm. Self Self-pity, discouragement. Even Elijah goes through that phase we saw today in 19, 4 and 5. He says, I'm no better than my fathers. I just want to die. That is self-focused. That brokenness, because you know what, he, at the, the fine, what could have been the finest moment of his life? He choked. Finest moment. Imagine he went in, in through Jezreel and Jezebel looked down and says, Oh, you have been looking for you. And he says, Who is there? And two or three eunuchs looked down and says, Throw her down. That would have been his finest moment. But he choked. Hmm. The next thing, Allah, Ahab and the entourage to get in and when they Next thing you hear is, I will kill you. He broke under that pressure and he ran and he just wanted to die. So that is not a broken and a contrite heart, okay? That is being broken by situations where you get discouraged, despair, suicidal, uh, you don't want to work, you know? You just, you just waste your time. And a lot of people are like, they have, they give up. They just, it's a mundane existence for them. They stay in that job. They're not interested in prospering or anything. They're just given up on life. They're alive only because they are not dead. That is the first broken. The spirit is gone. They cannot be used unless they are delivered. This is a different thing. The sacrifices of a God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. So what happens is we know Psalm 51 is a reaction to uh, David's that nine months or more of that life. And Nathan comes and he gives an illustration, brings conviction and then says, you are that man. And he says, I have sinned. Then the judgment is pronounced. Okay, the sin has been taken away from you. You will not die, but the sword will not depart from your house. And now you know he's a broken man. He's a broken and a contrite heart, looking at what he has done to God and what his actions is going to bring upon his family. Mm. So all his life he will remain a broken man. That's why the portion we look from Psalm 63 too. He comes back also weeping into Jerusalem. Oh. And he hears and says, don't do anything to that boy, to Job. He said, don't do anything to him, but Job kills him. He's thinking as a different way altogether. And he cries and he says, Absalom, Absalom. From the time that child dies, it is disaster after disaster. And he knows he's personally responsible for this. So he has a contrite heart, Lord. 
That's what he's saying. You can wish, but you cannot take certain things away. So he says, I wish Absalom, I had died in your place and you had been alive. I've lived my full life. You are a young man. I son, I wish you had lived and I had died. This is what is talking about the broken and a contrite heart. Okay? Now, you see the same thing in the New Covenant. Saul of Tarsus is going around. First, he is there sanctioning the death of Stephen. Then he's going around throwing many people into jail. Christians are being put into jail. And then he's on the way armed with papers. That's what the Bible says from the synagogue. So not from the Sanhedrin to go. He's going to Damascus to catch the Christians, the Jews who have become Christians. And on the way, he has an encounter. Let's go to that encounter, Acts chapter 9, and look at the words that is used over there. Okay. Chapter 9, go to that. We will read from verse 1. Okay. 1 to 5. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were off the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, that's a question, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goats. And verse 6, he asked a question. He trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city. You will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. And verse 8 says he was blind. Saul arose from the ground, but when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. So he has a very powerful encounter conversion moment. He is like, you know, wracked by guilt. Mm. Because his intention was right, but his understanding was completely wrong. He thought in his zeal who was serving Yahweh. He was really a man who loved God. But he realized he was persecuting that same God and persecuting his people. Now, you can't do anything about it. Mm. It's already done. See, the people you have thrown into prison, they cannot be released. Going, You can't go back to the high prison and say, I have become a Christian, so I want you to release. You will throw him also into prison. Okay? And you need to realize, now what has happened is, this is a different man. He's broken and he's contrite. And therefore, he continues that way all his life. Hmm. All and there are a lot of people who have come into the kingdom like that, who were persecutors of Christians, who Muslims who have killed Muslim Christians, attack them, this thing, and then they realize, oh my gosh, what is this? This is the actual real God, and they're contrite, they are broken. Okay, or you don't have to do anything against, but when you are aware of that, your sin is actually hurting God, the person who loves you the most. When you are able to see your sin vertically, you go to Psalm 51. He's seeing it vertically because by the time everything, everything is settled in the kingdom. 
Uriah is dead. You can't do anything about him. But uh, I don't think Uriah had children. Psalm 51. Against children. Okay. Verse 1 onwards. Verse 1 onwards. Okay. If you look at it, Uriah is probably dead. He's taken Uriah's widow. She's fine. Everybody is fine. There is nobody except for Ahitophel. Nobody seems to be upset about. So he's saying, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. In verse 3, for I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before you. Against you, you only have I done and done, sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. You need to realize is this. Every sin is primarily directed against God, the person of God. Mm. See, you can sin against a state, but the state doesn't have a soul. Okay, you break you break a traffic law. Basically, you are breaking a law, violating a law of the state. But the state doesn't have a soul. Mm. If they catch you, they will fine you. The state doesn't have a soul. The state is an entity composed of people, but it doesn't have a soul of its own. Okay, it's have a soul. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, God is its soul. This is soul. You take God out, Jesus out. There's no kingdom of God. You take Prime Minister Modi out in 24th, India will continue. Biden goes, US will continue. They are just there for temporary seasons, but they are not the soul of the country. The country will continue. It has been continuing for 75 years or 200 years, 300 years. It's been continuing. But the kingdom of God is not like that. You take God out, there is nothing left. Absolutely. He is the soul. So we are not... We are not uh, sinning against a soulless entity. We are sinning against God. So if you eat, you will die. What happens is they're cut away from God. When they sinned against God, what instantly happens is Adam and Eve is cut away from God, which they always had fellowship. And then God is coming in search of them and they're hiding from God. Then finally, they will physically also die. They will be taken out from this this world in which you exist. That's what sin has done. So you need to realize, when you're talking about a broken and a contrite heart, or a broken heart and a contrite spirit, they always go to together. Contrition is your sorrow, your grief, what you have done to God and what you have done to man. See, David had many wives, if you know he had many wives, and most of them, or all of the marriages didn't really work. But one marriage worked. That was his marriage with Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. Because these were two broken people. They were two broken people. Mm-hmm. David had sinned against God. Bathsheba had sinned against God. And they have coming with that broken. If mar- you know, I'm telling you, if marriages has to really, relationships have to actually work consistently all through your life, it has to be a relation between two broken people. So Jesus' relationship with Apostle Paul is working well. Because Paul is a broken man. And Jesus is a broken man. Mm. He's a broken man. Because he he is uh, vicariously Mm. living Mm. through the effects of our sin, what we have. So on the cross, he's taking all Mm. our sins upon himself, what we have Mm. done to to the Father, he is living through it. So it says he was despised. He, he went through it all. 
So it's a broken man, not broken in the spirit, but it's a broken man who's hanging on the cross mm-hmm. because he's going through what we should have gone through. That's why the Bible says he sympathizes with us. We not only, we have the word of God that every intent and every thought is naked before God. We only stop at verse 13, then we will get very scared. If you go to Hebrews chapter 4, 12 and 13 and 14, we read. If you only read one, the word of God is like living, powerful, sharper sword, piercing, division, okay, joint and marrow, discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. We panic. Oh my gosh, what will you do? There is no creature hidden from his sight. All things are naked, open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. 12 and 3 will give a panic attack. Verse 14 is different. Seeing then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Why? For we do, do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize. Two negatives make a positive, okay? Do not and cannot. That means we have a high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses, was at all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly. When you have this God and his word that sees everything, intent, thoughts, words, actions, everything is naked before his eyes, how can you come boldly? Because there is a high priest, you just come, Paul, don't worry, you just come, you just come through me. Exactly. Come through me. So you just come through. Okay, just come, you don't worry, you come through, okay? I will take you to the Father. That's why the Bible says, I write to you little children that you don't sin. But if you sin, remember, you have an advocate, not a prosecutor. You have an advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ. So you need to understand, Jesus understands us like nobody does. That is what gives us the blood, the fullness. The blood of Jesus which paid the price, the way that has been opened, and the person of Jesus Christ. So you need to understand, that is the brokenness the Bible is talking about. The people in the world can be broken through any kind of trauma. A child whose parent dies early goes through that trauma. Suddenly, everything is like honky-dory. Dad is there. Mom is there. Everything is there. One day, boom, it's gone. Dad is gone. So mom doesn't have a job. Now she is struggling. The life changes drastically. You know what? The person is broken. Things are all... You see, all movies are basically revolved around themes like that, everything. Then you are ridiculed. Now suddenly you are wearing second-hand clothes as students and the, your friends, yesterday's friends. That is what happened to the prodigal son. Suddenly he has no friends, all his money. He has reached the big bed. But he is only broken by circumstances. He's not broken by what he has done to his father. That is where he comes when he comes to that point, he came to his senses and he said, you know what? I have sinned against, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. That is brokenness. Now what happens is he's actually ready to have a relationship with, with his father. father. The father always was a broken man. He knew his both sons. He knew that this fellow also doesn't love me. This fellow also doesn't love me. He knows now one comes back, the father is able to. That's why there is celebration. My son has come back. He was dead. He was alive. So we have to see it that way. It is going to this only one way we can be truly broken and contrite is that we see what our actions 
our words. Okay? Our words. If you look, go to Malachi chapter 3. The words of those words. God is hearing every word. Anyway. Okay, God is hearing harsh any words. word. Okay, mm. but some people are their words are harsh towards. Behold, no, uh, For 13, 14. Mm, 13, 14, 13. 15 actually, fourteen, fifteen. It's possible. Three, fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet to say, meaning God hears everybody's words. Why is this happening to me? Where are you and this thing? You know, your words are harsh to me. Because as we look at, even if you read Israel, the first generation, and you read how. God talks about how he's dealing with them. They are incredible. If you go to Psalm you know, 32, you know, when he talks about today, we looked at it, you know. We, we didn't look at it, but we're talking about wilderness, right? So, 32 and uh, verse 10 onwards, okay? 10 onwards. Okay? So, no, sorry, I'm sorry. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, not Psalm 32. I'm so sorry. Deuteronomy. Uh, 32 and verse 10 on. Okay. This is talking about Israel. God's view. This is bird's eye view. You know, we talk about bird's eye view. High altitude places. When you go up, they will show you bird's eye view. Meaning heaven's vantage point. He found him. Whom? Israel. In a desert land. In the wasteland. A howling wilderness. Which is this? It's talking about Egypt. Okay, Egypt was like that, slaves, morning till night, morning till night, working, crying, groaning, children being thrown into the Nile, okay. He encircled him. He instructed, he brought him up, he brought them out, okay. Instructed him, kept him as the apple of his eye. This is not how they are seeing. This is how God is seeing Israel. He says, your condition was exactly the condition of all the peoples of the world. 4,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago, there were only kings and slaves. Every nation was enslaved. A few people ruled and their soldiers ruled. It was slavery all around the world. But you, my eye was on you. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, Carrying them on its wings, meaning the eaglet, if you leave it there, okay, what happens? The eaglet won't fly. So what does the eagle do? It starts taking off the cushion, the cushioning things under it, so only the thorns will be left. So that fellow will start feeling uncomfortable. Ultimately, what the eagle will do is that it will push him out. When he pushes him out, he goes down and he learns to flap. But he won't let, allow him to hit the ground. The eagle will come underneath and lift him up. That's what. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its end, spreading out wings, taking them up, right. carrying them on its wings. He said, I did this. You didn't understand what I was doing in the wilderness. I was stirring you up little by teaching you how to walk, how to walk with me, how to face eventualities, how to face situations in life, how to face your enemies. I was watching you and I never allowed anything beyond your capacity to come to you. That is what I did with you through it all. He will say in another place, I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to 
myself. And if you go farther down, you will see what happens. Okay? And then, so the Lord alone led him. And there was no foreign God with him. He made him ride in the heights of the earth that he might eat the produce of the field. He made him draw honey from the rock, oil from the flinty rock, curds from the cattle, milk of the flock, fat of the lambs, rams of the breed of Bashan, and goats, and the choicest of wheat, and you drank wine and the blood of the grain. Which is actually true. You know, he says, I'm going, taking you to a land, which is not like Egypt, where you had to work with your feet to get water to water your fields. But here I'm telling you, you just listen to my voice and obey my commandments. In season, the rains will come. You just have to work. You only have to work six days, while in Egypt you work seven days. You'll only have seventh day, kushi. Just enjoy your time with me. Worship, praise, listen to the word, enjoy. Seventh year, take one year off. <laughs> I will see you will always have enough. Three years. Always have enough. In the sixth year, the harvest will be enough for three years. Sixth year, seventh year, eighth year, seventh year of the eighth year only you're starting to. He says, I will take care of you. And they had seasons like that. You need to realize in their history. Their enemies couldn't touch them. Nothing could anybody do to them as long as they were obedient. Even with their disobedience, even now, it's very difficult for their enemies to touch them. It's because God watches over them. Okay, And then when you come to verse 15, but Jeshurun, that's another name for Israel, grew fat and kicked. You grew fat, you grew thick, you are obese. Then he forsook God who made him and scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods, with abominations. They provoked him to anger. So you see this cycle in Israel's history. Post Joshua, judges, they will do evil. God will send them into captivity. They will cry out to God. God will raise a deliverer. These cycles they go through. Whenever they are broken and contrite, God will send a deliver, deliver them. They have peace for a season. So this is what we are talking about. So you have to look at it. A lot of people are not broken. Are not broken. Oh, this, I'm sorry. That's it. Mm-hmm. But they're not broken. They really do not know what, what your actions cost, God. cost God yeah. and it has effect. That is why when you hear, let me, let me say, like all the comments when I hear, when I hear about prayer, there are different kinds of prayer. There are prayers that come with authority, prayers that are connected with tackling the powers of darkness. Then there are prayers that come from broken people. The prayers of the broken people, okay, who are broken, uh, it immediately sends the ripples across. They know this person's prayer. Is touching a chord in heaven and a touching a chord on earth. God is hearing and God is answering. That's what he said, a broken and a contrite heart. You will not despise. So David was such a man. You can never find a place in the Bible where David did not pray and God did not answer. You won't find a place. You find me a place where God said, no, I will not answer you, except the son who died. No, that God already had said he will die. And he tried his best because he's looking at the heart of God. I know you're a merciful God. Who knows he may change his heart. Why is that God? It 
doesn't matter what. This is why David will say, this poor man cried. And you delivered him out of all his troubles. You know why? Because he's a broken man. He's not just broken by circumstances. That's common. He's broken by his saying, he realized, you know what? He's not even so much bothered about his temporal problems. He's looking at what has he done to God and to his So God will talk to David differently from the way he will talk to other people. I'll show you. God doesn't talk like this to other people. <coughs> you go to first, uh, Second Samuel chapter 12. Second chapter 12. This is post bedship. Okay. Second chapter 12. Verse 7 onwards. Now this is Nathan speaking, but not Nathan speaking. This is God speaking. Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. So this is not his opinion. This is prophetic directly from heaven through the mouth of Nathan. This is God speaking through Nathan to God. This is God pouring his heart to the man who loved him. I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house, your master's wives into your keeping, gave you the house of Israel and Judah. If that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife. You have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your it is a very personal thing. Now let me ask you this question. Where has God ever spoken to another man like this very personally? You hurt me. Because you are a kid who loved me. You are a kid I loved. Like I said, likes, like temptation is not the same. It depends upon the vessel. It comes through. The effect sin has on God, the effect sin has on a person is the same. But the effect sin has on God is not the same. Hmm. It's not the same. Therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me, taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. He shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. God is already prophetically seeing everything that is going to happen. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the son. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Mm. Okay. David's reaction is like he's broken. Lord, I didn't realize. I didn't realize what I was doing to you. What I was doing to myself. What am I doing to my family? What have I done? There's a broken man. Okay. This is what we are talking about, brokenness. And you will realize he remains broken that way. So every time something is happening in his family, he knows, you know what? And there is Tamar, Amnon, Absalom, Adonijah, everywhere he knows. And there is. But he cannot change it. <laughs> so he remains. That's why he clings to God. In Psalm 63 also, we saw this today. Psalm 63 is, when he leaves uh, Jerusalem, he runs. He said, Jerusalem has all, Israel has gone to Absalom. He says, let's flee. Let's flee. 
because he's a father who knows his sons. <laughs> he says, let's flee. That guy will kill him. Kill me. And he will kill all my loyalists. I know him. I know him. <laughs> father knows his different sons. That guy is dangerous. He says, he's my son. I love him. But I know he doesn't love me. I know he will kill me. So let's get out. And when they're getting out, Abhyadra and all bring the ark. He says, take the ark back. Take the ark back. Because ark is the symbol around which Israel gathers. He says, if you bring the ark with me, the people will gather around me because of the ark. Mm. He says, no. Let the ark remain in Jerusalem. I brought the ark to Jerusalem. Ark will never leave Jerusalem again. Let it be there. Okay. I will flee. If the Lord wants me to return to Jerusalem, he will make a way. The Lord doesn't want it. That's why. And the Bible says he went from there weeping. You read? You read? Weeping, yes. He went weeping. And all the people people were weeping. weeping. Now they are not weeping because they're looking at what's happening. This This is civil war. You need to understand in civil war, nobody wins. Like American civil war. Nobody wins. That's what is happening in India, in Manipur. Nobody wins. Nobody wins in a, in a win. One community of your own country is fighting another community. Nobody is going to win. It's, it's like everybody loses. Okay. And that's what is happening over here. So they all go weeping over here. So you need to realize what does actually brokenness mean? Brokenness that is the kind of brokenness which will lead you to hear from God clearly. Consistent. So he's, he's, and he's, he's, and, and he's, you see, another thing what you will notice is this, what happens with those kind of people. You actually experience and appreciate and see the actual loving kindness of God. I did all these things. Why should you be kind to me? There are people who did less you. Just wipe them out. Why are you so good to me? That is a song. That's it. Thy loving kind. Because he is running away from Israel, from Jerusalem. God is factoring. There are people who are coming to help him, bringing him food, securing him. Soldiers have come. And he ultimately knows, I am going to win. And he says, Lord, why is, why are you so, your love, thy loving kindness is too much for me to bear. That's what Apostle Paul is saying. Why do you use me? I can't even understand. There are better men than me. There are people who have never persecuted your people. I have persecuted your people. I have thrown people into jail. People are dead because of me. And you've anointed me so much. You have given me so much revelations. You are using me. A few blows and here prison, that is irrelevant. But the fact that you are using me is beyond my imagination. If you were to go by worldly standards, I would be the last person anybody would trust. That is what is happening when he is going preaching. Oh, can you trust me? Can you? Isn't that the fellow who was persecuting Christians? Is he really a true or is he a fake? But here am I. You are still keeping me in the throne. Why should I be on the throne? So, you actually appreciate the kindness and the love and the mercy of God. Okay, this is what brokenness done. A lot of people are like you now when they go through this thing, they get like like uh, like Naomi. They get hard. They have an intellectual knowledge of God. That's why she tells, "This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do." And Naomi, Ruth is a broken woman. Hmm. Naomi is not a broken woman. Circumstances have broken 
her and has not. There are two things with brokenness, they say. Either you have this term broken and bitter. Okay, you're broken by circumstances, but you're very bitter. Or you're broken and you're contrite. Now, God is looking for people who are broken and contrite. Compared to Ruth, hmm. Naomi has sinned. Naomi's husband has sinned because they left Israel and went to the land of Moab. Went to the land of Moab. Now, God is trying to redeem, redeem. The natural loss took place, whatever it was. Husband died, sons died, everybody died. Ruth's husband also died. They're all widows. But when Ruth comes back, she's a broken woman. She's a broken woman. Okay? And God is able to redeem and speak to people who are broken and contrite. The difference between broken and not contrite, it's always me. Ayo me, ayo me, ayo me. No trouble is like my me. No grief is like mine. Nobody. That is brokenness without contriteness. When broken and contrite, you are not looking at what is happening to you. You are looking at what has happened, what you have done to God. What you have, what your actions has brought upon. That's what is, what, what has my actions cost? God, His name. And to my family, in this case, is looking at his fact. He cries, Absalom, 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 with tears. Okay. And therefore, God is able to speak to him. So, even in his old age, you will realize, he very, very clearly gets the entire plan of the greater structure that is going to be built on earth, the very temple of God, where his presence is going to come. See, Solomon doesn't do anything. He's just, he's just an overseer, supervises the construction. That's all. Everything was done by David. Why is he able to give? If you look, if you look at it, the greatest revelation in the Old Testament a man could have are two things. One is the temple, and second is the Messiah. And do you know most of it came through David? Yeah, yeah. All Christ would go through. David prophetically saw. Mm. Dog, band of dogs and everything that Jesus is going through on the cross is revelations given to David because it can be given to David only because he is a broken man. He has gone through the same situation. Therefore, he is able to prophetically able to see what the Messiah will go through. And second thing is the dwelling place of God, the physical temple. It's given to him. Therefore, he is able to hear well. A lot of people are not able, they are broken by circumstances, but they cannot hear at all because they are folk. So, Naomi cannot hear anything. Naomi cannot see anything. The harvest is back. Why did you go? Because of famine. What has happened? Rains have come back. The harvest is back here. Everybody is rejoicing. She's not able to see anything. She's all, only she's saying, don't call me Naomi. Just call me Mara. She's not able to see anything. And that's the same thing that is happening with Jacob. Jacob was a crooked man, but ultimately he's broken on the way back. Bro, in that wrestling with God, he's a broken man. He's a broken man. And if you look at what is happening to him post that, keeps him broken. Isaac is not a broken man. Abraham is not a broken man. Jacob is the broken man. Hmm. First thing that happens, he realizes everything that I'm going through is what I did to my father. No? I sowed, I reaped. And then he sees, he hears. Reuben went into his concubine. He heard about it and he kept quiet. He didn't say anything. 
kept quiet. Then his sons, he sees. He hears everything what his sons are all doing. And he realizes, you know what, my mistake. I shouldn't have done this. I should have learned from my father. I should have stayed in for Haran. Shadin shouldn't have stolen that blessings. God would have given it to me. I would have married the girl whom, like my father, whoever it was, one woman would have been brought away. That would have been the wedding. And through that woman, I would have had twelve. Whatever God's order was, it would have happened, happened another way, not this way. So he realizes, I have sold this this whole thing into Israel, the future that is coming. Yeah. I was the key person after Abraham. I was the key person through whom Israel would come. Because when he's named Israel, you know it's going to come through him. And he knows what Judah has done and later he had everything. So he's a broken man. And therefore, even in this day of death, he's able to hear clearly. Mm. Isaac has no clue. He's grown old, grown blind, and he just only wants to eat. And he hears nothing. He's a good guy, but he hears nothing Mm. because he's never broken. So you see these people because they are able to see what you have done to God, what I have done, and they take personal responsibility for it. And therefore, they are very close to God. And in the book of Isaiah also, God says the same thing. The Lord who inhabits eternity. That is Isaiah. Isaiah 57. 15. 1.5. Okay. Isaiah 57. And verse 15. Yeah. For thus says the high and lofty one. Who inhabits eternity. So this is God from everlasting to it. Eternity is not a place. Eternity is not a place. It is, it is, it's a realm. It's timelessness. Everlasting to everlasting. Whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and the holy place. Okay, God is saying, basically God is, this is what God is actually saying. God is saying it's from, from the beginning of time. Let us say human creation. He says, I've been there from the beginning. I will be there at the end. In every generation, I'm looking for somebody who is contrite and, and has a humble spirit. Because I can dwell with him. That's what he's talking about. He's every time I'm looking for, I'm looking for, looking. Is there anybody who's, who's broken? Who's got a contrite spirit? I can dwell with him. And David's generation, he found David. Mm. He found David. That's what he's looking for. He's always in Jacob's generation. He found Jacob. Found Jacob. He says, that's the kind of people I am looking for. I'm looking for. Because if I were to ask you this question, you have Abraham, you have Isaac, you have Jacob, you have Joseph, you have four patriarchs over there. You have only prophetic utterances towards the end of the line when your vision should be greater. Your revelation should be great as you grow older and closer to God. There's no prophetic revelation from Abraham. There's nothing from Isaac, but from Jacob and from Joseph. Joseph in the last days will say, don't bury my body. The Lord will visit you. The Lord will visit you and he will take you out of this place. And when you take you out of place, carry my body through. Why? Because both were broken men. Both were broken and contrite. Joseph was a broken and a man who never sinned against God or man, but he was a genuinely broken person. 
genuinely proclaimed. He never retaliated against. That's why you will see, even when David is going and Shemai and all, when he comes back, he doesn't execute even. At that time, they wanted to execute Shemai. He said, leave the sons of Zeraya, you are, leave them alone. If God wants that, let it be, you know. That is where you will see, you know. Only broken people can very easily show mercy. mercy yeah. Others cannot show mercy. Why are people not able to show mercy? Because you have not been broken yet. You are not contrite. Okay? You have gone through your situations and you realize, you know what? Why you realize, you know what? I am a vessel of mercy. I have been shown mercy which I do not deserve. deserve. Therefore, I will show mercy to those who don't deserve. Hmm. So that is it. That is David. Solomon doesn't show mercy. Execute, execute, brother, kill him off. Because he's not a broken man. He's a very wise man, but he's not a broken man. He's not a broken man. So that is what God is look, looking for. That is a different kind of brokenness. Don't confuse one brokenness with the other brokenness. Yes. Brokenness and contrite. Contriteness is when you take respond. The prodigal son who comes back is coming not just broken by circumstances. He comes back contrite. I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against my father. father. I have no right to anything. All I am asking you is, so, can I take a place, not even a servant, one of the daily workers, hired servants. Hired servants. Whatever your judgment is, it is right. No. When people come back like that, you realize there is hope. There is hope. Mm. They have, they, they, they have, have come through. They, they have, have come, come through. through. Yeah. Okay, that's not how people come through. Naomi did not come back like they come through. Come through. Okay, so she knows it all. Theoretically, biblically, she knows it. Okay, this is what you need to do. Go. Okay, um, they are harvesting, and what should you do? go glean? Why? Because God has left the gleaning of the edges for the broken ones. I am not broken. I am not going to go and glean. Oh, shame. They will always say, Hare, Naomi. <laughs> we know how you were. No, she will not go. But you go. You go. You are a Moabite after all. You go, Glee. Poor girl goes. And he says, Oh, boys, okay, right, I will tell you. This is what you need to do. Uncover his feet and lie at his feet. We saw on Friday the feet of Jesus Christ, which is burnished, meaning it has come through judgments and it will judge everything. So, at the so it's a, Threshing floor is where God judges. When the ark was coming on the ark, it was at Aruna's threshing floor. The oxen stumbled and Uzziah put his hand and he watched us. The threshing floor is so, so he will be at the threshing floor which is winnowing this thing and he will separate the shaft and this thing. So threshing floor is generally a place of judgment because that is where the oxen is going around. The wheat is being threshed. There is wind blowing. You throw the wheat up the shaft and the, the wheat falls down. Shabla, that is how takes place, threshing floor, that is a place, okay? That is where he will say, she will say, he will be sleeping over there, see his, uncover his feet, and you lie by his feet by saying that, I'm under your judgment. Don't lie at his head, don't lie by his side, lie at his, so she knows, but she won't do it. Mm. Though he is her kinsman redeemer, mm. she won't do it, because she is, broken by circumstances, no contrition at all, at all. But Ruth is, She's a broken and a contrite woman. So God will redeem her and he will, what he will do. So if you look at those people over there, you know, Tamar is a broken woman. Like her husband died, second one died, 
next one died the father was hiding the other child she's a broken woman so in her brokenness she just want to be joined to this family so that's why she dresses like a prostitute sits on the road so <laughs> god sees it. we are looking at her act and saying what a terrible woman god says she's not she's not a prostitute she's not a prostitute a prostitute would sleep with many men she's not a prostitute this is one time you know what she's doing she's in a brokenness and she just want to be joined to my household so god says it will come from that you need to realize if you read the account you see the 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 bible the book of genesis is not history there is a word if i am right in theology called theodicy 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 is the history of god through man so the genesis is not a just history of man is a history of god through man that is why all kind of so you will see uh, you will see abraham isaac jacob okay then 37 suddenly you have joseph going because it is through joseph israel is going to be but suddenly you have an incident there between judah and tamar why is it put over there because it's through that line jesus will come mm-hmm. that's why uh, other records are not mentioned over there why is that record coming over there it's because it's about Jesus. So this is the that's why I said if you read the bible if you are not looking for Jesus you will just read history. This is the history of Jesus Christ coming through. Hmm. Okay. So here you have Tamar. She's a broken woman. She's a broken woman. Therefore God is able to include her in the family. You will see a woman called Rahab. She's included in the family. Okay. All these people you look at there they are broken and contrite. If you are broken and contrite God says I who inhabit eternity I'm always looking for somebody who has a contrite and a humble spirit and everybody don't have it. Honestly, the whole world majority of the people have gone through suffering and trauma and rejection and all kinds of things but they're not broken. They are broken in that one sense, yes, but they're hard. but they are not contrite and when you are contrite your contriteness will only when you take sit there and not look at consequences because most people are broken by consequences so poor me don't know what happened to me nobody suffering is like there are people who talk like that in the bible no like that the people no nobody suffering is like me nobody's pain is like me that is not brokenness that is you're looking at the consequences brokenness and contrite is what have i done to god and his name what has my action brought upon other lives that self is completely put in the dustbin you are not looking at what is happening to you what has happened to you? what did i do to the name of god god says that through nathan to somebody else mm. god says that he won't be bothered because of you, because of you the gentiles have despised my name because they know so Saul despised God's name the gentiles nobody said anything god is also not bothered but you are a different case altogether you have messed up my name because your name and my name are attached second he is looking and said what i have done to the people who are attached to me what i have done to my children the sword will not depart and he begins with this child is going to die this child is innocent this child is not dying of any sickness this child is dying because of my sin okay that is how you have to see if you are focused in self you are broken but you are hard you are only look you are only crying over the consequences hmm. that is a hap 
went around and God said, okay, he's repented. But it is seasonal. He's not a broken man. A little later he will go kill Naboth. Okay. There are people. But when Manasseh is taken in chains and goes over there, he comes back a broken man. Yeah, yeah. Broken man. Okay. So God is not looking at the quantum of our sin because once it is done, there's nothing you can do. He's looking into our heart to say, are we really remorseful? Is there contriteness in you? If there is in you, I will, I will protect you. So you will see nobody could touch David. Nobody could win. If you look at a man, the kind of sins he has done, his enemies should be walking all around him. He should be defeated in battle. He should be killed in battle. He should be only having defeats in his life. This man does not know defeat. No enemy is able to defeat David. You need to ask. It is not fair. God says that is your idea of fairness. Mm-hmm. But you don't see his heart. Mm. I see his heart. He's a broken and a contrite man. That's what God is saying. Okay, with him who has a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Okay, he says, I will dwell with him. Do you know what? I will dwell with him. To do what? To revive him. To revive his spirit. That's why you have all his psalms, every psalm of his, by the time it ends, it's very positive. You know why? Because God is reviving. Mm. He'll go through this and he says, oh, this thing. And then at the end of it, God will revive his mm. spirit because God is with him even as he's writing these Psalms. You don't see that with Solomon. It's all Proverbs. It's great Proverbs, okay. <laughs> but all his experience are what he has heard from the stories of his fathers and grandfathers and great fathers. So he's, he's a real, real good scholar. He takes okay, Abraham, Genesis chapter 16. He puts, okay, better is a man who has control of the hand who conquers the city because you know what. Or Moses, actually not Abraham, Moses, okay. He's talking about Moses. Moses lost his temper. Okay, he should have controlled his temper. So he writes a proverb. So he's a man who studies very well all the history of his and reaches conclusions and puts us a problem. Signature. That is not David. David is a different man. He knows God. Even when he's running away, I mean, there are powerful verses in the Bible. Okay, very powerful if you go to when he runs away from there. No? From Absalom. No? David flees. Okay. okay. Verse uh, chapter 15 and verse 31. Okay. You can read 30 and 31. No, Second Samuel chapter 15, 30 and 31. 50-30. So David went up by the ascent of the Mount of Olives. Same path Jesus took. Jesus' journey. Okay? Mount of Olives. Wept as he went up. He had his head covered and went barefoot. And all the people who were with him covered their heads, went up, weeping as they. Why is he doing that? This is not a king fleeing for his life. If you're fleeing for your life, you'll wear shoes. You need to look at what is happening over here. He's running for his life, yes. But in his heart, in his spirit, it's a completely different thing. He knows I am responsible for this. He actually, I know deep in his heart, he knows he will not die. He knows Absalom will be defeated. Many will die with Absalom. And he knows, if I hadn't done these, those, those things, these, these things would not have happened. 
not have happened. That's what Jacob is a broken man. If I hadn't done this thing to my father, if I had waited for my God, Leah and Rachel, Bilha, Zilpha, all these problems, and none of this would have happened. None of this happens. And I cannot stop it. If you look at it, I am responsible. I am responsible. I am responsible. That is what, and he would look okay. And now he hears the news. Verse 31, he hears the news. Then someone told David, saying, Ahitophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. If you know about Ahitophel, the Bible says his counsel was the counsel of God. See, you need to realize it is not the PM or the Prime Minister or the President who sits. He has a set of excellent advisors. The advisors are foolish. Administration will go down. Very rarely do you have uh, presidents or people who are very, very smart and they have their plans in place, but they also have specialists around them. Okay. So he knows Ayatofel simply is the wisest man in the country. If he's gone on to the other side with Absalom, if Absalom listens to Ahitophel, my goose is cooked. <laughs> More people are going to die. It's going to be a long, long war. So what does he do? Simple prayer. And David said, O oh Lord, I pray. Very simple. O oh Lord, I pray. Turn the counsel of Ahitophel into foolishness. He's a broken and a contrite man. And when he prays, God hears him. You know what? He turned the advice of Ahitophel into foolishness. Absalom refuses Ahitophel's advice. God is sitting there. In the entire scenario, God is only listening to David. First, Absalom rejects Ahitophel's destiny. And he goes by the other counsel, which actually was foolishness. Ahitophel was waiting for this day all this life because he's rejected. He goes into the into despair. He goes home. He kills himself. So suddenly Absalom's best advisor is out of the picture. Who killed him? He killed himself. All why? Because of broken and a contrite heart. God is close to him and is answering his prayers. Is his prayers long? No. Just one simple prayer. Lord, please turn. This is what God is talking about. This is the brokenness and the contriteness to wish God. So where we should not look at our consequences, which is what most people who go through trouble. That's, that's Naomi. Listen to Naomi. Listen to Naomi. Go to Ruth. Look, look at what Naomi says. Okay. Verse 20 and 21. Okay. Ruth chapter 1, 20 and 21. Remember, Joshua judges Ruth. That's the easy way to remember. <laughs> Somebody told me once, mm-hmm. if you want to find the book of Ruth, remember, Joshua judges Ruth. Mm-hmm. Which he didn't do. Okay, by the way. She said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Why? For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. She's a very bitter person. Now she's blaming God. Okay. I went full. The Lord has brought me home again. She is never taking responsibility for her and her husband's actions. She's blaming God. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Mm. 
since the Lord has testified against me, the Almighty has afflicted me. Go to Psalm 51. Listen to what David says. Exactly the opposite. Psalm 51. Okay. Psalm 51, verse 4. 3 and 4. 3 and 4. Okay. 3 and 4. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me. Not my consequences. Mm -mm. Most people, their consequences is before them. He says, not my consequences. What caused it? There is cause and effect. Everybody is talking about effect. Naomi is talking about effect. He's not talking about effect. Not talking about effect at all. He's talking about cause. He says, my sin is always before me. And against you, not you are against me, against you. The Lord is has afflicted me. I afflicted you. The response is completely different. The response of a broken man and the response of a bitter person are two different. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. What is he saying? You may be found just when you speak, blameless when you judge. That's not what Naomi says. Naomi says the opposite. He's actually accusing God. You have, you have to be blamed. You have to be blamed. <laughs> I went full. I should have come fuller. Instead, I came empty. You afflicted me. This is the, but if you look at our circumstances, the circumstances has has not really broken her. Okay? Okay? Like I said, circumstances is not what makes us. It is how we react to it. How we respond to it, you know? You either come out better or you come out bitter. David always comes out better. Always comes out better. Okay? And if you look at this, responses are always like that. Like when God says, you will not build a temple for me. Instead, I will build for a house. He's so shocked. You know, he goes, sits there before God and says, Who am I? I know where you picked me up from. That's why I always tell people from the church, Never forget where you came from. Never ever forget where you came from. Where God picked me up. That's what he said. Pick me from the miry clay. Put my feet on the rock. He says, Who am I that you think about building a house for me? He's so grateful, so grateful, okay? And then he, there are two sides of it. Um, Satan tempted, God allowed David to do a census. Okay? That's very powerful. You, yeah. you have to listen to his words, okay? Mm-hmm. These are God. sheep, Lord. Okay, just, just pick that portion. Okay? First, first, second Samuel chapter 24. Yeah, 24. Th- Look at hours. his words, I mean. Okay, 20. Fight you, okay? Okay. Go to verse 10. Ten. David, I mean, NIV says, David's heart condemned him <laughs> after he had numbered the people. Okay? Okay? Was conscience stricken after he had counted the fighting men. Mm. And he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. Mm. Now, Lord, I beg you, take away the guilt of your servant. I have done a very foolish thing. Okay? Okay, keep reading. Yeah? Okay. 
Yeah, before David got up the next morning, the word of the Lord had come to guard the prophet, David's seal. And go and tell David, this is what the Lord says. I'm giving you three options. Choose one of them for me <laughs> to carry out against you. What kind of a multiple question, poor fellow? Okay. okay, this is thing. Okay, they shall come upon you three years of famine in your land or three months of fleeing from your enemies while they pursue you, or three days of plague in your land. Now think it over and decide, how should I answer the one who sent me? Oh David said to Gad, I am in deep distress. Let us fall in the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great, but do not let me fall in the hands of men. Wow. Go further. The Lord sent a plague on Israel from that morning until the end of the time designated. 70,000 of the people from Dan to Beersheba died. The angel stretched out his hand to destroy Jerusalem. The Lord was grieved because of the calamity and said to the angel who was afflicted with people, Enough! Withdraw your hand. The angel of the Lord was then at the threshing floor of Arunah the Jebusite. And David saw the angel was striking down the people. He said to the Lord, look at this, what he says. I am the one who has sinned and done wrong. These are but sheep. What have they done? Let your hand fall upon me and my family. Who said this? Mm. Tell me in the Bible, who has said this? this this Not even Job. Job said he started declaring all his righteousness. What to the day I was born. Okay. (laughs) You will only find David. And Moses, another broken man. He became broken and says, Lord, please, Lord, don't do this to your people. If you want, blot my name out. And Saul. Moses says this. David says this. Apostle Paul will say this. Why is that? Because they're looking heavenwards. I don't know. Okay. These are sheep. What have they done? Let your hand fall upon me and my family. Okay. And verse 18. On that day, Gad went to David and said to him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arunah the Jebusite. So David went up and Lord had cast, the Lord had commanded through God. And you know what he does? Arunah looked and saw the king and his men coming towards him. He went and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Arunah said, Why has my Lord the king come to his servant to buy you a threshing floor? David answered, So I can build an altar to the Lord and the plague on the people may be stopped. This is the powerful verse 24, 24, okay? Arunah I said to the Lord, let my Lord King take whatever pleases him. Offer it up here. Here are the oxen for the, here are the threshing cloth, the ox yokes for wood. O King, Aruna gives all this to the King. Aruna said to the Lord, may the Lord your God accept you. You know what David says? The King replied to Aruna, no, I insist. I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offering that cost me nothing. Today we heard, let my people go. And they may sacrifice and they may serve. And we saw from Hebrew 13. What has it cost you to sacrifice to God? How is it a sacrifice if it has not cost us? That's what I tell people. If you come to tomorrow church by 9.15, what did it cost you? People who consistently come late. That is supposed to be a sacrifice of praise. But there is no sacrifice there at all. No sacrifice. What did it cost you? What did it cost you? To worship the Lord, to serve. He said, I will not, even in such a drastic situation, any normal man will say, okay, 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 just build the altar. Just, just, it doesn't matter, we got it free, let's do this. No. No. Even in this thing, I will not offer God anything that has not cost me. Okay. This is what a broken man is. 
session. The wound of rejection started in the Garden of Eden. A person wounded by rejection allowed the, allowed the person or persons rejecting them to shape the way they see themselves. Is that true? Because I believe some of my wounds, the second part, is in the inner man, are well hidden. How do I get delivered from that? Because again, you're talking about brokenness yeah. and wounds. The Rejection is a reality. Okay, you cannot you cannot go through this world all through life without being rejected. You will be rejected by somebody or some group of people, one way or other. And even if nobody rejects you, you will feel they rejected you because they didn't give you attention. So you are going to go through that. It happened in the Garden of Eden. There are two things about this. First, you need to see what. God did with Israel the second generation mm. when he did if you go no if you go to uh, Joshua chapter 6 mm. <clears throat> Joshua 6 sorry not 6 Joshua chapter 5 okay okay you can read from verse 6 to 9 Bro, the Israel is a translation, bro. Yeah. Yeah, you can have NKJV. The children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord swore he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their place in the camp till they were healed. And verse 9. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore the name of that place is called Gilgal to this You need to understand what rejection does is reproach. Good for nothing. Eh? You are never alone. All that is the reproach mm. you carry. Rejection and reproach are twins. They go together. Okay. So what God does with these children is that on top of that, the heritage of coming out of Egypt. Mm. Okay? Coming out of mm. Egypt. And the second thing is that therefore they wandered and wandered and wandered and so therefore fathers all died. So God says, you know what? That reproach of Egypt, that slavery, okay, I'm gonna circum circumcision is spiritual. Circumcision is spiritual. Yeah. It's a physical thing, yes. but the physical thing has no meaning unless something happens spiritually, like baptism. All of us were baptized when we were born. It had no meaning at all because spiritually nothing happened. Yeah. So there is circumcision, which is physical, and there is circumcision for all believers, which is spiritual, where God rolls away the reproach of our past life. Mm. Okay, The life which we led, the rejection, our sins, everything we did, we did not do, others did to us, all these things. Okay, All these things. Okay, so, so now I'm not talking about a physical circumcision in the new covenant. I'm talking about something the Spirit of God does with. How does it happen? Go to Isaiah 53. 
go to ICF 53 call. Yeah. Verse 3 onwards. This is about Jesus. He is despised and rejected. rejected by men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised. We did not esteem him. Surely, now what is happening? This is the whole thing. It's everything is by faith. Surely, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are whole. This is the key. Okay, this is the key. The key is this. Everything that you and I went through, the rejection, the reproach, the sins, the iniquities we did, everything was actually put on him. Put on him. That's why in Corinthians he is saying, he became poor so that we could become rich. This is what we are talking about. And we have taught it, the reference teaches it beautifully. There is a divine transference that took place place on the cross. My rejection upon him. That's why he's hanging on the cross, rejected of all men. Shame. The shame of it. The father rejected him. Man rejected him. Okay, Man rejected him. Hanging there in shame, in pain over there. He says, you know what? He was taking the rejection of all mankind. By God and man to man. He's taking it. The reproach of every man. He's taking it all upon. So you have to realize, if he's taken upon me, then one, I am free from it. First. Second. He did not only free from it, what did he give me in return? Is the question. What did he give me is in return? Now we are, we are accepted the book of general efficiencies in the beloved. That is why this is fundamentally. You can go through this whole process if you want to. Deliverance meeting after deliverance meeting after deliverance meeting. Or you can go to Corinthians 5.17. Second Corinthians 5.17. This is the key. No, this is the key. Okay. If any man, anyone is in Christ Jesus, what is he? New creation. It's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You can look by that. No. This is where your belief, your confession, and your action matter. If these three things come together according to First, Second Corinthians 5.17, you'll be free. You don't have to go through 900 this thing, this thing, like Paul had to go through. He didn't go through. In one minute, he was free. He was free. He realized, okay? So whatever he's saying, he says, heart of gratitude. He's, when he's saying, I am the worst of sinners, he's, no, he's not under the weight of sin. No, he's the most free man. Mm. No, he's saying, I know what I mm. did to God. I'm always aware of it. Yeah. Okay, what I did to God. Therefore, you know what? I am going to serve God with all my heart and love him with all my heart because of that. Okay, because he is forgiven much. Loves much. He's not walking under the, under this guilt. Okay. Under that. He's not. He's absolutely free man. Okay. So this is what, like I said, you have to understand what Christ did. That's why we talk about the cross. That's why we talk about Christ and what we talk about the blood. There is Christ. 
there is cross and there is the symbol of the life in the in this in this life which is the blood what has christ done for me what has his blood done for me and that is where you put away that reproach you put away all those wounds and you are made whole lot of people take a long time to come because basically lack of teaching or lack of faith you know because again no a lot of people say this you know oh, i can never forgive myself the question is if god has forgiven you who are you you're bigger than god or what now so we have to tell people take them through have you repented yes have you asked god for forgiveness do you believe if you confess god is faithful do you believe you do not realize the amount of unbelief people oh. have that they when you say can god really forgive me yeah. you're meaning to say christ atonement is not enough for your sins oh. <laughs> you didn't put it logically meaning christ atonement is not enough it's enough for everybody's sins but it's not enough for my sins no see no god says he has forgiven you he's not just freely forgiving you you're receiving it freely but he's looking at his son mm. my son paid the price for it so you're freely forgiven if you're freely forgiven receive it freely believe in it freely and you know what forgive yourself also what if people don't know how to forgive them forgive yourself okay and wherever you can do restitution amends do that and be a cheerful giver when it comes to mercy cheerfully forgive people why because you are a recipient of mercy you didn't deserve so you i will always say i will always give people the benefit of doubt always no maybe who knows why he said that who knows why she did that who knows who am i to say okay you come to me okay don't do it again give you another chance another chance another chance why because how many chances is god giving us each day okay okay because what are we trying to do what is god trying to do he's trying to save people he's trying to save people okay we are not talking about administrative this things and all okay that is a different thing because then your your this thing is connected with others so i need to maybe put you down for a little while but even when i put you down for a little while to you i will specially come and tell you almost every week i love you very much please don't confuse the two things you don't know but people know <laughs> i tell them always you know what you are i have to do it because if you were not involved in something that would affect others it doesn't matter i'll just say don't do it but because it i have to put you down for a season and when i'm putting you down for a season be sure i will always come to you, tell you and says don't ever think that means i do not okay. that's what i say when we sin god may chastise us because we are son But the fact never changes he has loved yes, us with an everlasting love his love doesn't decrease he always loves us the same way but the difference is god is always god also you know we were made in god's image so god is also looking for people who love him hmm. okay that's what the bible is talking but that's the issue that's the issue like i may have five children six children 10 children 12 children jacob had 12 children and he loves them but he's looking for one son who loved him and joseph loved him 
Does Jacob love his children? Yes. But all the children love Jacob? No. The same way. So, God does tomorrow Sunday morning when we reach the church, does God love everybody in the yes. church? Yes. Does everybody in the church love God? <laughs> no. Subjective. <laughs> no. They don't. They don't. Okay. That's the difference. No. So these wounds can be healed. It can be healed very fast. You don't have, see one of the ways, like you know, like modern medicine now, they will leave the wound open mm. and say, let it will heal faster. Okay? Now let us say a wound is there, it healed. And after it healed, uh, when it was, just, you have a cast and this thing and all this thing over there, no? And people will say, yo, what happened? No, I fell, I broke my hand. Okay, okay. Then we'll say, okay, be careful. Okay, sit on his right hand. Don't push this thing. Don't this thing. Don't that. Like, you know, we will say always that. No, we are very careful. And you realize, oh, wow, because I got a broken hand, now I'm getting so much attention. Earlier, nobody noticed me. Now this broken hand is bringing me so much attention. So what does it do? The hand is healed. But it doesn't want to take the cast off. Okay, it's like the beggars on our crossroads, no? If that fellow at Mahadi Panna, I'm seeing him for 30 years. Every time his bandage is new. I said, when will his wound heal? But if he doesn't have the bandage, he will not get sympathy. He won't go get his, he won't get his money. Okay? So, people, this is called, what is called negative sympathy. They love their wounds. They love their wounds. Okay, poor me, poor me. They have this wonderful, they take their best china, everything, and they have a pity party. Okay, it's called a pity party. Okay, that's why God comes. Jesus comes to the pool of Bethesda. Five pillars are there. It's supposed to be grace, and they're all sick people. High. Everybody is sick because once in a year, an angel will come, and there's no well person who is well there. Everybody is sick. While everybody is waiting, everybody's eyes is on the water, so nobody notices Jesus comes over there. Jesus inquires, and then he comes and asks this man. He's thirty-eight years old, and he asks him this question: Do you want to be made? Immediately, it's at the other person. I am not well. You know what? Every time the water is well, somebody else jumps into it. It is he's the responsible for my healing not coming. What are the questions that God asks us? <laughs> question. <laughs> he said that is not my question. My question is not. You you didn't understand my question. I did not ask you why are you not healed. I asked you, do you want to be made whole? Then he tells him something very interesting. Pick up your mat. And go. So the simple question is, to get here, a man who's sitting for 38 years, it must be a rotten mat anyway. <laughs> Why would God ask him to pick up his mat? Because that is the one. God has many reasons because that will cross controversy. It is a Sabbath day. He heals on a Sabbath day. Who told you to walk with a mat on Sabbath day? You are breaking the law. All tumult happens a little later. But the question is, why should he pick up his mat? Mm. Because he likes the mat. <laughs> because the mat represents 38 years of his life. And that 38 he has got so much sympathy. See, Jesus must have been the only man who walked into that place and when he found out 38 years, he didn't show any sympathy. Because somebody will come here, somebody says, okay, I have only today uh, five rupees. Which one should I give? And he looks at all around and says, which one? Oh, how long have you been here? Two years. And you, ten years. And then some, somebody will say, that one has been there for 38 years. Oh, you take today. Jesus doesn't waste tears in sympathy. 
Because he has not come to sympathize with us. He sympathizes with our weaknesses and he says, now come and get healed. Mm-hmm. He sympathizes. I understand. He sympathizes with your weaknesses. All that money. He says, I'm here to help you. Sympathy is not going to feed anybody. What is sympathy going to do? Nothing. Sympathy should move into action. So Jesus sympathizes with us and went to the cross. And now he's sitting there forever making intercession for us and says, you don't have to fear God at all. You can come boldly to me, even if you, when you read the Old Testament and you get fearful about God, don't worry, I am here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we all Indians know that. I was terrified of my father when I was young. I always went to my mother. And mother says, don't worry, now he's angry, you wait here. When he's calmed down, I will go intercede for you. That is what she was the first intercession. In all Catholic family we were. She was Mary and he was Father God. She's a middle woman. Okay. <laughs> she was not the middle man, she was the middle woman. She will say, you wait here. If you go there, you will get nicely. I know your father very. He's in a temper. He's already heard what you did. So you wait here. I know he will calm down. When he calms down, okay, so he will say, you go to the classroom and sit there in the evening after school. You go sit there. Because he will ask you where you are. And I will tell him he's not in the house. Okay. And when he has calmed down, I will tell you, come. Then I will tell you very. You straight away go to your father and say, I'm sorry. Otherwise you will get from him. Okay. Jesus is saying something. You don't have to worry. I'm here. Okay. Because you know what? Father is not going to react the way you think he's going to react because the price has been paid. He sees the blood. So when you come through me, I am speaking for you, the blood is there as proof that the price has been paid. So come boldly. Confidently come to the throne of grace and receive mercy. And don't stop with mercy. Why did you fall? Because I didn't have the strength. That is grace. Don't stop with mercy. Receive grace for whatever need you have and go and see you don't have to fall. You are happy. I am happy. Dad is happy. We are all happy. That is what grace does. Grace gives you the power to overcome. So the Bible says we are not under the law. We are under grace. So sin should not have dominion over us. So you should understand. What does it mean? Sin should not have dominion under over me because I am under grace. What does it mean? It means grace is the power of God that not just forgives you. It gives you the power not to hurt God. But it is all connected with relationship. If there is no relationship, it doesn't work. Even the best of man under the law is a sinner. But a man under grace will overcome sin because he understands God, the heart of God. That's what God is talking about. So when you are talking about wounds and all, you need to realize the best way to be healed of your wounds, the simple best way of healing of your home is by extending mercy. Uh, Pastor, I think you should answer this because I just want to stop you there. The reason I'm asking you to solve this question number one is actually on the same, on the same tone. If it often happens, often helps to understand about feeling towards what forgiveness is and what it does having sinned yourself. You realize that you do not have a spirit capable of passing final judgment on anyone during your life in this age. I think this can, that, that mood is captured in this, in this question as well. Because yeah, this is slightly diff- different in the terms of you are forgiving because 
you do not have the final judgment you do not know you are forgive you are either uh, being unforgiving when you are becoming unforgiving you are actually passing judgment, judgment yeah. okay that is that is connected with this but in a different aspect mm-hmm. this aspect now the whole question in the with the third the, the, the other Both. question we are dealing Both. with is you are not dealing with the other person you are dealing with a hurt which other person have caused you mm. caused you other person has caused mm. okay and there are practical ways in which you do it okay i'll show you the practical way <coughs> go to the book go back to david david is one of my favorite characters simply because when i first read god says i have found a man after my own heart so what a statement that is about a man yeah i found a man after what does that mean a man after god's own heart in in literature you read poems of the hound of heaven that is chasing men you know god trying to or hosea he has taken her in the wilderness and trying to capture her heart and here is another one among all these people there is a man who is after god's heart mm. what what kind of a man is it go to second samuel second samuel and chapter 9 emotions and verse 1 and david said is there still anyone who is left of the house of saul that i may show him kindness for jonathan's sake there are two people in, involved here one is saul the other is jonathan now jonathan is there who's been his best buddy who really put his life on the stake to help him then there is jonathan's father who was a reason for his misery for 12 13 14 years okay. so he's got wounds david is also got wounds okay now how do you want to be healed that's why god says don't curse your enemies bless them feed them why should i bless my enemies am i not empowering them no you are healing yourself you are healing you bless them pray for them i'm telling you just try doing it think about the one who hurt you most pray for that person every day for 7 days and you will realize your feelings changed you are already healed amen mm. mm. so there are ways there are ways god has put in this these are god's ways that's why god says my ways are not your ways my thoughts are not your thoughts Oh. your your thoughts okay there are god's ways and god said this is the way you do who's hurt you most this person okay why don't you forgive that person why don't you forgive that person why don't you just not forgive why don't you bless that person pray for that person every day lord i forgive him lord i bless him let good only happen to him let what happened to me not happen to him okay that's that's david that's david david refuses to raise his hand against his enemies within the body of christ, christ. the body of israel he refuses to do yeah. that he will not do that but against the other that's a different thing we don't have to be so gentle with the devil devil is our enemy yeah, yeah, yeah. but our own parameters in which we work our home and our church you know we have to be very 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 careful that we do things god's ways 
Okay. And God says, when you do that, what are you doing? He says, you have put piling red hot coals on their head. What does it mean? The hair is burning? No. Their conscience is. And you have no clue what is happening on that side. God is now putting his weight on them and saying, and they will start feeling bad about it. I shouldn't have said it. And suddenly, weeks later, months later, years later, they meet you. And they come and hug you. Or they make a call and say, you know what, I shouldn't have said it. He said, but change his mind. God says, you did what I told you to do. And then I did what only I can do. It happens. Oh boy. But even if it doesn't happen, it does not matter. You are free of your wounds. You are healed of your wounds. So you have to take literally what God says. That's why he says, blessed are the merciful. For they shall obtain mercy. And they are, they are healed. The wounds are healed. They are able to walk whole. Okay. And that's how it works. That's how it works. And you're always trying yeah. to cover the other person. And yeah. The other person. This thing. No, that's what. No, that's why we have to be very, be very diligent in doing. Because this faith life is a faith life. Mm. Meaning, like I said, what is, why is faith life so difficult? Because his ways are not my ways. And his thoughts are not my thoughts. And he has revealed his, his ways. And the Bible will say, you go there, to verse 2. Verse 2. Another man who doesn't be, agree in God's. So there was a servant in the house of Saul who was Ziba. So when they called him and David said, are you Ziba? He said, at your service. Verse 3. And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. You know what he's saying? Yeah, but I don't think he deserves, he deserves, he deserves kindness. He's lame. What are you going to do with lame people? That's why we, we always say the real you is the person who deals how you deal with the weakest ones among you as a community and as a person. So we know a world has turned very, very wicked when they are fighting for abortion and euthanasia. Because these are the two spectrums of life. The weakest, the baby in the womb, can't do anything. The old ones are rejected, thrown, and finally said, so depressed they opt for euthanasia. If they are well taken care of, they won't opt for euthanasia. They will want to live. Who wants to die? If you take very well care, care, take care of them, giving them the basic amenities and more than that, should tell them every day that you love them. And you are very special. You are not a burden at all. You tell them, they don't want to love. They don't want to love. Sorry, they don't want to die. They want to love. Most people in these western homes, they want to do euthanasia is because they are lying over there. The nurse is mechanical, comes, does this thing and goes. Nobody cares for them. Nobody tells them. They may have the best amenities, but you don't live by amenities. You live by love. For God is love. And where there is no love, you just want to die. No hope. Hmm. You just want to die. Hmm. So this is what he is. So he thinks he's not worthy of a king's kindness. That's what. That is Ziba. That is Ziba. So our mentality matters. Our mentality matters. Mm. Okay. So this is what God is talking about. Mm. Okay. So these pictures are all over there. You want to be healed of your wounds? Do this. Take a list of the people you have hurt. First list. Second list. Side. You have hurt. Mm. And then start praying for them. 
and start blessing them. And you will realize your wounds are being healed and you shall be whole. You shall be made whole. And that's what yeah. Jesus is asking. Okay? Tell the person, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. So, okay, what do you want? Heal us. He said, go. Show yourself to the priest. As they were going, they were healed. One stopped. One stopped. He turned around and he came rushing, glorifying God with a loud voice and he fell at his feet. Jesus looked at him and said, you know what? Where did they tell of him? Yeah, what happened to the night? They will be healed of leprosy. But they will not be made whole. Mm. They will walk with their wounds. My wife will be that one fellow goes back home. He says, your wife, he says, you look at your wife. Oh, honey, you come back. He said, yeah, I have come back. But all these years, you never came close to me. I wonder how many other men you went with. Why? Because he's not healed. He's not been made whole. Outwardly, he's healed. Inwardly, he's not healed. But this man, when he's made whole, he comes back. His wife greets him. And he's not look, he's looking at the, the, he's telling the wife, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. You must have had a rough time. No, you must have had a rough time. They all must have said, your husband is a leper. I'm so sorry, children. I'm so sorry because of dad. You had to go through a rough time. You know what? I will try my best to make. He's reacting differently. Why? Because he's whole. So you will know how whole people react and people who are wounded who react. Wounded people are always avoiding people because if I touch me, he will heal me. That one touches me, here I get healed. So they stay away from people. But those who are whole are okay with everybody because they have been made whole. Okay. I love that one. That is different. I love this one. This is different. You can't, you can't hurt me. You can't hurt me. Because you know what? I've been made whole. You need to realize how people react is got to do with wounds they are carrying. The words more than the words people have spoken. Lord of children grew up never being complimented in life. And instead they are abused. Uh, you are, you are not a girl especially. Be very, very careful not to tell a girl child you are not good looking. Nobody will marry you. You look like this. You are a headache. But this is how in, children in India grow up. So you know they grow up with such a terrible, low self-esteem. <sighs> then they get married. And they get married. No? The father will tell the mother, oh, at least that headache is gone now. I managed to get rid of her. And the husband also looks at her as an head. He will never compliment her. No? Women go through this. Women go through this. Boys go through this. Men go through this. Because you know what? We are all trying to vicariously live our life through. No, you live your life. And accept them as they are. That's what God does it. He accepts as we are. Mm. And he loves us with words and all. And we have to say, Lord, give me that heart. My children don't have to perform to, for me to love them. I want them to perform well for their sake. But because they don't perform well, okay. Oh, my love for you is always the same. But sometimes people carry this picture of God the Father at their back because they know fathers in their own lives. They were taskmasters. You have to perform for them. If you don't perform from them, they don't love you. But God is not like that. That is why we have to reorient all our lives all around. 
You don't have to perform. God doesn't say, you don't have to perform for me, for me to love you. But I want you to do well, because on that day when I judge, when I have to give responsibilities, I have to be fair. I can't be unfair. I'm righteous. That's me. who I am. I'm righteous. Okay? So I have five children whom I have to give responsibilities. And I look at this fifth one who worked hard. He had integrity. He had righteousness. He had discipline and all. And then you were there. I loved you all the same way. But you had no integrity. You had no discipline. And then I tell him, okay, you take charge of ten cities. You can't be upset. I love you. But that day, everybody will say God is just. Yeah. <laughs> so don't confuse God's justice with God's love. Okay. But our children also should not confuse between our love and our justice. Okay. This is problem because that's how wounds come in. Rejected. Okay. And then abused. Trauma takes place on top of wounds. Now trauma is also there. All these things are taking place. Mm. Who accepts them? Christ accepts. What does it mean to be like Christ like? Accepting them. Accepting them. Okay? Accepting. That's why our church is very special. <laughs> our church is special because our church, except for a few people in the church who come from normal backgrounds, all the others where societies rejects. Orphans, single mothers, single fathers, all kind of people come over there. Do you know what? You are accepted. You are loved. You are loved. Okay? You are loved. You are, just because you come from that background, doesn't mean that. But your behavior will be corrected. That is different. That has got nothing to do with it. Okay? So you have to realize that's how it is. Otherwise, mm. you need to realize. You you go to uh, First Corinthians and look at what God says, God's heart. Verse 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. 27-28. God has chosen the foolish things of this world. Why does God choose the foolish things of the world? Of course, to show His wisdom and power through them. The second thing is that the world doesn't want foolish people. Doesn't want foolish people. Then, God has chosen what? The world doesn't appreciate weakness. The world appreciates 56-inch kachati. I was going across as very strong people. Nobody wants to be foolish. Nobody wants to to be weak. And then, next one. Okay. Nobody wants to be the base things of this world. Things which are despised. But God says, nobody wants. You are a reject. I accept you. Come to me. Come to me. And how does he put make these rejects into special people? How does he make this weak into strong? How does he make this ignoble into noble? What transformed them? Do you know what? This is unconditional love. When they actually realize how much God loves them, they will go out of their way to serve God. And God's unction is poured into them. And suddenly you see a shepherd who is walking in the wilderness after sheep being the beloved king of Israel. Why? How did this base thing become that? The reason is, he looks at me and realizes, you know what? I know where you picked me up from. Pick me up. 
It's the love of God that is transforming people. Love of God that is transforming people. We need to understand that is what transforms people. Not in the world. The world, it's not that. That is not the criteria. That's not the criteria. Why do in the kingdom people excel? Why do people excel in the kingdom? You see, 40 years later, when God comes and tells Moses, I have chosen you, Moses must have been literally flabbergasted. Shock. Me? Are you serious? If you had told me 40 years ago, I was the one who was chosen, I would have understood it. Mm. Now, one I murdered, I fled. I have no trust in myself. I'm a hopeless case. And you've chosen me. You mean to say the calling has not passed? I just know. You're still the chosen one. Really? Really? You are the chosen one. He can't believe that. That's what made him make. That's what he made him make. Okay? He was a reject. <laughs> Ultimately, he was a reject of Egypt and Israel. Egypt didn't want him. Israel didn't want him. Both. God said, I want you. <laughs> You're the one I have chosen. Okay? Father didn't want David. King did not want David. He's a reject. God says, You're the one I have chosen. So we need to realize that's how. What the devil does to us you turn it over to God, your wounds, your hurts, your reproach, your rejection, God will turn it around for your good. But you have to hand it over to God and believe what He says. Mm. Believe what He says with you. That's why He says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. And that's what the, what the Bible says. You know, you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Hmm? Chapter 13. And we shall close with that. Very, very powerful verses are there in chapter 13. Verse 8 onwards. 8, 9, and 10. Or 8 and 9. Love never fails. fails. Where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, <laughs> it will all vanish, vanish away. I'm telling you. Straight up telling you, once you become a father and you have children, you will realize you have a prophecy over your child. It will fail. You have tongues and an interpretation about your child. It will fall. You thought you had great knowledge about your child. It will fail. But if you keep on loving that child, that child will not fail. You will still come and fulfill that prophecy. Because love will never fail. Hmm. Why did the prodigal son come back? Because of the love of the father. Because the father loved him. Hmm. That is the only reason he came back. He uses other words, but the real reason why he came back is father. And you My know what? Father's hired servants. Hires also. Oh. He takes care of them. He's a very caring man. Hmm. Even the hired servants are plenty to hmm. go back. We'll go back to him. You know the prodigal son? Jesus stops the story over there because it's a parable. But if you were to extend that story, you will see the prodigal son will become an incredible successful man. Because love never fails. But the other son only knew the law. Mm-hmm. He did not understand the love of the father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We need to understand how it is. That's why we keep telling people, just, just okay, stop judging. Make, when you, you know, administrative judgment is different. 
Other than administrative judgment, stop judging people. Just love them. Do you have authority? No. Then why are you judging? Authority ended, no? Are you in the civil court? No. Then why are you disputing civil cases? No? Hmm. 1.5 billion people in India. 1.49 people in, in, in 4.9 people in India, billion people in India say Rahul Gandhi is innocent. It makes no difference. The case has gone to the Supreme Court. Chandrachud will decide. Right? So what difference does it make? It's just an opinion. The only thing your opinion can count is in the next election because there is something called a ballot box. That is your judgment. Now we are not talking about elections here. You have no authority. Stop judging. Pray. If you believe something, then just pray. Mm. So God says, stop judging, just pray. Leave the judgments to those who have authority, have ordained authorities. Let them do the judgments. Let them seek my wisdom so they will judge correctly. But ultimately what covers is love. What will never fail is love. Mm. Faith will fail. Faith will fail. Love will not fail. Mm. Okay. Paul, with all his, I mean, if you put, look at Paul's experience, from the first time he was beaten to the last time he is going for his execution, he looks every time God has rescued me. See, if you go through ten accidents, and every time ten accidents, you come out, come out well then you have incredible faith in that God who is bringing you out, right? Yeah. So his faith is very strong. But now, he's going to be executed. Many times God has shaken the prisons and taken him out. He understands the power of God. But now, even when his faith fails, his love is not going to fail. Mm. You have no faith. You have faith in the other life. You have no faith of so escape in this me. life. Yeah. That is over. That faith is over. There is no faith. You know, you're going under the sword. Your faith has failed. And that about being rescued in this temporal world, that faith is gone. There's no faith. You have hope in the next life. But what never fails is love. That never fails. Okay. You can have no more faith that God is going to rescue you, but you can still love that same God who's not going to rescue in this situation with all your heart, with all your mind, all your strength. That love does not have to fail. And you can also see that that God still, He will not rescue you from death, but He will still love you the same way. Mm. That's what He's talking about, love. Okay, so what wounds? Just do what God says. Says what God says. Just do those things. Pray. Bless them. Okay, and you will suddenly realize, you know what? That you are being healed. But primarily, personally speaking, the most powerful verse is if you are able to wake up every morning and believe in Second Corinthians 5.17. I'm a new creation. Even yesterday's things have passed away. Mm. And today is a new day. Yeah. His mercies are new this morning. I'm starting fresh. Forgetting the things that are behind, I am pressing onward. I'm pressing forward. That will heal you. Therefore, Lord, help me to love people, to extend mercy as if nothing happened yesterday. Let me only remember the good and forget the bad. 
because if you were to have a vision of hell you wouldn't want your worst enemy there wow. wouldn't want your worst enemy there because there is not like a theater there is no signboard called exit there there's no exit there's only entry no exit the lake of fire there's no ending forever and ever you wouldn't want anybody to go there <laughs> even if you're angry with something and you want vengeance what is your vengeance if that fellow comes and says i'm really sorry da please sorry 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 after time your this thing will also melt and say okay jaane to but do you realize where he is going would you want that would you want him to go there would you want him to go there it's no escape there you know that is why we need to realize christianity religion as christianity as a religion is completely different religion mm. from everything else it is built on mercy mm. to the undeserving yeah. not any religion no religion is built on that christianity is built around the cross what is the cross is the mercy of god who an undefined religion is this that this. you can visit the orphans oh, and widows and keep yourself yes. that is religion mm. mercy mercy religion mercy undeserving like that is christianity Okay. and people can't understand when graham stain and his children were burned in the jeep and the what's her name mrs stains gladly stain says the law will take its own course but i have forgiven those who burned my husband and sons what do you say to that what do you say what do you say to that everybody else says revenge 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 what says no revenge is mine even if you want revenge release them into my hands you forgive because my revenge is better than your revenge <laughs> what can you do <laughs> can you do door thappad dega are to thappad se kya hote you don't know my revenge so he said leave it to me you just forgive and walk in mercy because you know what you don't want to mess up your soul yeah, absolutely it's in self interest pastor <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a very forgive because you know the whole ten command or the whole law and the prophets hang on two commandments okay actually in that two commandments there are three commandments love god with all your heart all your might all your strength all your soul that's the first one that we are we don't understand the second one in the second one there are two laws love your neighbor as yourself so first you have to love yourself mm. if you don't love yourself a lot of people are not able to love others because they don't love themselves Can love this. Okay, let me tell you. If I don't bathe, I don't wash my clothes. I am not bothered if my wife doesn't bathe and doesn't wash her clothes. Okay? But because you bathe every day, you shave every day, you want your clothes clean. You want your wife also to be clean. Mm-hmm. So if you don't love yourself, you can't love the other person. so so many things you have to think differently when god is saying so many things you do this you have order you have discipline it's not just for yourself mm. because if you don't have order you will allow disorder in somebody else's life and it doesn't bother you you don't bother dis- by somebody's disorder because you have you love disorder so the first thing is not loving your neighbor the first thing is to honestly loving yourself mm. when your life yourself in a very wholesome way you will love the other person and you will see how can how can a husband wash his wife by the washing of the water by the word how can he wash if he doesn't love himself mm. 
If he doesn't love water, what water is going to use on his wife? If he does not want to keep changing according to the word of God, how is he going to change his wife? Mm, So what is that? He will change his wife only according to his own interests. I don't like waking up in the morning, so if you want to sleep late, you sleep late. So that is not loving yourself. That is hating yourself. (laughs) So you need to realize in that too there are three laws. First law is the one first and the greatest. Love God with all your heart, all your might, all your strength. When you love God that way, He will tell you, I love you. And because I love you, this is what I want you to be. So you will realize, ah, this is what I have. This is what I want. He wants to me. So now you are willing to change because He loves you. So you now you are changing according to Him. Okay. Then when you look, look at the other person and says, Are, this is what God wants me to be. Therefore, that is what God wants her to be. I'm talking in a family context. So now you what you know. Now you realize, no, all these years I really didn't love my wife because I was in love with myself. Wrong picture of myself. I have to change. Therefore, you know what? I'm gonna work lovingly to change her. Hmm. So you know what is working through it all? It is love that is working. That's what the Bible is saying. Love doesn't change. Okay. Hmm. Love never fails. So, what is the law? God says the law is fulfilled in one, one word. word. What is that? Love. love. Mm-hmm. That is what. That is the whole idea. And we don't even know what love is until we look to God and see how God has loved us. Okay, and that's where the wounds are healed. Otherwise, our wounds will not be healed. We'll walk with our wounds, and we'll die with our wounds. But God says, "Do you want to be whole?" Pick up your mat and walk. And you will see with this man, very funny thing, he did not have Jesus who healed him. But he goes from there straight to the temple. That is the interesting part. He goes straight to the temple. And when he goes straight to the temple, Jesus meets him there. Okay, You need to realize people who have been made whole. Okay. David has sinned, the son is ill, he's on his face seven days before. Then he hears his so he doesn't eat, he's lying over there, then he hears his servants talking, he looks at him, is the son died? The boy died? And he said, he's dead. He rises. <laughs> he rises. Every one of those things he does, he does eight things there. Everyone is pertinent. If you take one thing out, you know this man is not whole. Every one of these things he does. The first thing is written is eros. He got up from the floor. That's not what people do. They will roll on the floor. If when he was dying, you were on your face, what will have to do? That's what the servants are thinking. He was like this when the boy was dying. What will you do when he's dead? He will beat his head on the wall. He will beat his bed on the floor. That's what he rises. Who can rise? Who can rise when bad news becomes worse news? Who can rise? He rises. Who can rise? He rises. The next thing he does is that he goes and washes himself. He changes his clothes. He anoints itself. And he, why is he doing all that? He is going to worship the God who technically has taken the life of his son. Most people, the last place he will go to is to the church. They are angry with God. Not he. He worships God. Mm. But he says, 
I won't go the way I got up from the floor to worship him. No, I will not go that way. A lot of people will go, oh, crying to the house of God, why did this happen? He doesn't go that way. You look at every one of his actions. This is a man who knows God. A man who is whole. He goes there, he does all these things, he goes to the house of God and doesn't sit on the back bench. I've seen lots of people, grieving people, goes to the last bench and they sit there with full of grief and nobody can comfort them. He worships God. He worships God. And then he comes back to his house. He doesn't go to some other house. Other people will go to different houses are there to get rid of your sorrow. No? All kinds of houses are there. He doesn't go to any of the houses. He goes to his house and he tells them, bring the food. And he, he eats. And they are shocked. I said, how can you do that? He says, as long as there was hope, I cried to the Lord. He's gone. He's not going to come back. But I will go back to him. This is a man who is whole. Let me ask you this question. How many days did he take it to God to heal his wounds? One day. If you know what he has gone through. He lied. He cheated. Committed adultery. Killed that woman's husband. Now because of his sin he has been judged. And the son is dead. He has been made whole. Just like that. Because he looks to God. And opens up his heart. And does what you have to do. And healing comes. That's what he was. Jesus was telling the ten lepers. Go. Show your servitude to the priest and there is something written immediately as they were going right so there is a way for healing mm. and that is david's way in that way you do you will be healed god has shown the way and jesus said i am the way you stick to that way you will always be healed your wounds will be healed your hurts will be taken care of you will become a kind patient merciful person mm. and a loving person mm. that is the way now, we want to try many other ways and say, Lord, heal me. God says, I can't heal you. There is healing only in one way. That way is my son. He has shown us a way. Walk in that. Your wounds can be. Some wounds will take me long. But I will tell you, you can be healed. There is, there is sorrow. Okay, sorrow of a loved one departing. That's a, that's a natural sorrow. And there is sorrow and guilt. That guilt will pull you down. Mm. It's a combination. It's dangerous. Mm. Pull you down. Okay. Okay. That is what he's saying. Saying worldly sorrow leads to death. But godly sorrow. That's a godly sorrow. Leads to repentance. And to life. life. And that's David's sorrow. He does many terrible things, but he always goes to life. You don't see man going, this man going from, you always see him going from life to life. Quality of God's life in him. Even till the last moment, when he's very old, really fragile, and Bethsheba comes and says, Adonijah has taken the throne. He's still able to be a king in his senses. He remembers, he says, call this one, call this, call this one. Take Solomon, put him on him, you anoint him. He dies after putting the kingdom in order. Absolute order. He sees his succession is absolutely peaceful. There will be no rivalry. There will be no civil war. There will be no conflict after me. It will be according to God's ordained plan. Even in his last days, he's able to do that. 
That's a man who's been made whole, be able to make the right decisions even in his last day. That's what you're talking about. That's what God wants to do with all of us in our own little, little spheres of influence, whatever it is. But God said this is. That is why every time where there is a king of Israel or a king of Judah, especially God's validation is what the, but nothing like David. Nothing like David. Everybody's reference point is David. David, David like is his father. Like his, his father, David. His father, David. <laughs> Always reference point is David. And you look at it. Now can you put it as, will the world put David as the reference point? No, because you don't understand God and you don't understand mm. man. Because what did he have? Going back to the first question, he had a broken and a contrite heart. That was the key. The key of it all was this. David was, had a broken and a contrite heart. And what did God say? I who dwell in Inhabit eternity, I dwell with those peoples and I'm constantly reviving them. So what you see in David's is revival after revival after revival after revival in his life because God is dwelling with him. Series of revival is moving from life to life to life to life to life. Even today, we keep reading his Psalms. I'm telling you, you will find millions and millions of millions. There are people who study the book of Proverbs. It's wisdom. It's excellent for life. But most of the people in the world are broken. They don't want wisdom. They want comfort. They want comfort. You know where the comfort comes from? David's arms. Most of the, not most, almost 99.99% of the people are people who have goofed up. You can't speak wisdom to them because they are, they don't want wisdom. They just want mercy. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't want, no. You quote few of the proverbs to them. They will say, "Please don't. I know it all. I I didn't keep any of it. I don't want that. So give me hope." So go read the Psalms of David. This was a man who always gives you hope, meaning you can't go to the depths of misery like me. And I have always come out of it. Mm. Okay. You can't have a king whose mm. son chased him out and slept with his wives. Mm. Come out, out of that misery also. Mm. And still be king. Get his throne back and show mercy to everyone. Who can come out of those kind of, who has gone through that kind of situations and come out? Answer, only David. Mm. Only David. Every humiliation, every personal thing, he still came out. So David gives you hope. Jacob gives you hope. There are characters in the Bible. Jacob and David gives hope to the normal man. Joseph and Daniel gives hope to the supernatural man. These are people who never heard. How many people are there like that? We point people, young people to Daniel. We never point old people to Daniel and Joseph. We point young people to Daniel and Joseph. How old are you? You are a teenager. Look at Joseph. Look at Daniel. You can run well. A man who's reached 70 years, his entire life history is full of failings. You don't point him to Joseph and Daniel. You point him to Jacob and David. Mm. He says, you know what? These are two goofers who finished well. Mm. If they can finish well, you can also finish well. So please understand. We are talking about 
God has all his prototypes in the people mm-hmm. in the world. For the yes. young ones he has, the old ones he has, small ones he has. Every kind of people God says, I always have my witnesses. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. We are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. They look at them, they will say, I will endure. I will. That we will stop for today. Yes. Yes. Father, we just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. And all those who are listening, Father, the names of your Son in the Old Covenant is for our healing. Mm. You are the balm of Gilead. Jesus, flow even now, Lord. You are the Son of Righteousness. Mm. I pray, Lord, you will rise over your people even now with healing under your wings. Those who are broken, those who are weighed down, will come out and bound like stall-filled calves. That's what you can do. The man sitting at the gate, beautiful, was looking at John and Peter for arms. But their answer to him was, gold and silver, we do not have. But what we have, we give it to you. What they had was Jesus. Little later, leaping and bounding, he ran into the temple worshipping. I pray today, Lord, somebody will get on their feet and start worshipping. And their wounds will be healed. Their hurts will be healed. Because when we worship, we are set free. Mm. When we praise you, we are set free. Yes, Lord. As long as Job worshipped you, he was free. But when he started looking inward mm. and started cursing the day he was born, he started going down. His worship stopped. His praise stopped. And he went down. And I pray today somebody will rise up and will start praising and worshipping you and your healing will flow. Be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Be made whole in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. So that's who our God is. He comes to heal the brokenhearted, to set free the captives. A broken reed, a bruised reed he will not break. A smoking flax he will not put out. He will deal with you gently. He knows your wounds, he knows your hurts. Be sure. He will carry you through the season too. And bring you stronger than ever before. And make you, I pray, a vessel of mercy. Mm. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We tell you to come tonight and you give us another day in the land of the living. I pray, Father, all of us, I pray, will try to come to your house to meet you before time so that we will have the joy of knowing we came before time to meet our Redeemer, our Savior. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.